less comfortable mostly. <laughs> I love that you're just like I'm comfy 24/7. <laughs> I try my best to be comfy all the yeah. time. Yeah, it's like when you sleep at night and you're like Just yeah, I don't bit. think I'm that comfy when I'm sleeping. I have so much trouble sleeping. Really? Yeah, it's like just um so much things in my head, you know. Oh yeah, you're, you're yeah. one of those people who can't sleep because you're thinking too hard. Exactly. Yeah, that's yep. why you wander around at three. <laughs> yeah, going. I think that does explain it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Because <laughs> <laughs> all I'm imagining is you at three a.m. just going, hmm, where can I go now? And avoid getting stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was a good winter weather so I was just like you know what I could I could do some shots in the winter and I just got this lovely cine bloom filter yeah and I was just like you know what um I should you know I need to test it because it also covid so I more my shots oh, yeah. got cancelled yeah so I was like I want to test it on someone so I was like oh I could test it on me yeah. so I just did self portraits out in in 15 degrees or something <laughs> <laughs> It was fun it was a lot of fun Get- <laughs> You're dedicated is what you are. I guess that's a word. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that are clinically insane. I don't know which one you want to pick. I don't know. You can choose. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like you're choosing this. we do podcast a podcast about film life television culture mental health and all of that fun jazzy stuff today i've got my special guest arvind shanavaz hello nice to be here actually <laughs> no it's really nice to have you here thank you um we i feel like also uh you and i have been constantly following each other for the last like few months and True. and and like inexpressibly being like Hey. Hey, how are you? Um because you're one of those out of end you're one of those people who kind of like everyone knows. Uh, um I guess um I'm not Don't sh- don't not deny sh- this. <laughs> don't undercut yourself. <laughs> everyone knows you. You're like you're like the royal family. You're just everywhere. That actually sounds pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> People worship you. That is the thing. Mm. Um, not did, much. There's never been much of a thing with worship. No, no. no don't I don't want to be worshipped. worshipped now. No, that's fair. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like that would be probably too far. <laughs> um, so, Arvind, how did you, like, where did your journey start? So, tell everyone a bit about who you are and what you do. So, I am a cinematographer. uh mainly and i do portrait photography on the side yeah i'm also a colorist editor and everything in between i try to do everything and anything yeah um uh, my passion has always been cinematography since 2014 or maybe even before that wow um i got my first camera at uh in year 11 when i was in high school yeah. and that was just like this dodgy fuji film camera like a digital zoom 40x zoom thing i was like oh that's cool <laughs> at that time i was just fascinated by that and i was like you know this is cool and i was the photographer at school since i had a pretty old red camera and i used to volunteer for everything wow yeah i was one of those model students but i wasn't great at my studies because i kind of <laughs> sucked but every teacher loved me because i was you know i was good you yeah. know with with the things i do with my interactions with people etc and also my dad was an alumni from the school so everybody was like oh it's his son his son oh okay yeah. so you were sort of like already 
basically yeah basically well known uh, i was pretty popular in high school the good kind of popular not the trashy yeah, no, uh, high, high school popular no, no you were just like being hunted by everyone just going oh he's a shitbag <laughs> um so you were it's interesting though because was your, what's your, what's your dad do so my dad um he's actually a trained journalist oh, but wow. then he ran a travel agency until he passed away 5 years ago oh wow yeah. i don't know it's it's an odd it's an odd job i would say it it's yeah. it kind of seemed fun when i was growing up but then as time went on and i figured that he was actually a trained journalist with a masters in journalism i was like why didn't you do that he was like yeah i didn't want to like that's that's interesting yeah answer. that's a huge dedication <laughs> to a degree that you're not using <laughs> Because that would have been impressive. He could have traveled the world. Like, he could have, you know. He could have, would have, should have. Yeah. Because, you know, like, where you? Where did you grow up? So I'm from Kerala. Uh, yeah. That's the southernmost part of India. Yep. Uh, we have all the nice beaches in the whole of the country. Um, <laughs> Just write that in the brochure. That's probably why your dad went into tourism. Absolutely, possibly. <laughs> um, and especially when when I came to Australia, everybody was like, "We love the beach." I'm like, "Oh, you should come to Kerala because we have all the nice beaches in India." Wow. And all the nice seafood, all the lovely food. If you can yep. take the spice, you would love it. I um, love spice. So. Oh yeah. Thank you. Finally one person. <laughs> I don't understand why people don't like spice. <laughs> Cuz chili is the best thing ever and spice is also like but I do also watch a lot of traditional yeah. Indian cooking. Yeah, um, it's so good. It's so good. It's actually like um there's very few restaurants in Australia, well, especially in Sydney, I think that they actually do good, proper Indian food. That's very right. It's very, yeah. very few. Yeah, because it's like, you know, anyone who actually thinks that butter chicken is an Indian staple, it's not. It's not. It's Please, please understand that was invented by Western people. It's <laughs> not actually Indian. <laughs> oh, finally, someone knows. Oh, my God. It's, it's one of those things that I grew up with and my dad actually had to tell me. He, like, he yeah. was the one who went, no, this isn't. Like it's it, not it's, Indian. It's European. It's yeah. it was invented. It's actually really popular in London. Yeah. Um. But also, I feel like it came to popularity because of all the culturalism. Yeah. That moved because a lot of um. I think it was from history, not like, like late sort of mid, um, early nineteen hundreds when all the Indian um a lot of Indians moved into yep. Central Europe and Central London. Yeah. Because it's got a huge Indian population there now. I think the majority of the population is possibly Indian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, is, which is interesting because um, I've been to that in Singapore. Mm. And yeah, there's like, I think when you go there and you meet like traditional yep. Indian families and stuff who run yep. at local businesses, the, the food is great. But you're also like willing to get food poisoning if yes. <laughs> which sounds really awful but it it's the risk of eating some indian food because it is like yeah it's just the way it's prepped it's, it's like uh, either safe or it's not the, the thing is like your whatever you've eaten um, like as part of your diet your usual diet it's very different from yeah when you're mixing in another another yeah. cuisine so your body doesn't really cope with it. No. Especially when I went back the last time, that was in the beginning of 2020, I went back for a month yeah. and my mom cooked for me. I couldn't handle it because wow. I, I've lost my tolerance to spice and like I'm, I wasn't used to that 
cuisine so much. Wow. Over here it's all pizza, burgers and whatever, whatever. <laughs> and when I went back, it was all the spice and like I think I felt sick for like a week or something. Yeah. Because of the food. But it wasn't food poisoning. It was just because my body couldn't handle it. That's insane. It took me two weeks to get used to the spices. That's insane. It was very sad, but it was <laughs> yeah. insane. I was about to say, because your mom would probably, if she, like, does she come and visit you? Uh, well, if COVID wasn't a thing, would she have uh, come and visited you? She would definitely. Uh, she is probably coming this year or maybe next year. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. That'd be nice for her. It would be nice. She's turning 50 in about four days. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Because um, she still lives um, back home with my brother. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's nice. It is um, nice. Yeah, they have a good time together. Yeah. Yeah, I have to FaceTime her every two days anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Proper family right there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. Like, I have to. Otherwise, I'll get calls here. She, she'll be like, why didn't you call me? I'm like, oh, I was busy. <laughs> <laughs> I, is that... I've always heard that, but I feel like that's very traditional of, yeah. like, you know, Indian families to be, like, very... The mother's very much, like, has to keep in touch with the children. That is very true, especially yeah. with my mother. Um. Indian parents are known to be possessive. Um, <laughs> my mom is the possessive kind. But in the last couple of years, since I'm all the way here, like, she yeah. can't have much control over me. And she knows that. <laughs> so now uh, we've kind of um, domesticated her more in the term being like, me and my brother, we've kind of brought her to our own ways. You know, she, yeah. She's like the chill mom now. Okay, good. It took a lot of work, but uh, <laughs> we did it. I mean, like, it would be it would be quite hard because obviously, like, you know, as kind of with two older children and, you know, like, single mother yeah. at some point, that would have been quite hard. It is. Um, it's definitely affected her a lot in the past couple of years. Yeah. But um, being with us, I think it's really kind of helped her kind of come away from all of that kind of stuff. We've yeah. tried our best to, I don't know, make her as happy as possible, you know. So, you know, every day... Like, I'm thinking, okay, what can I do to make another person's life better? It's because of her. Yeah. You know? So, you know, like, if I'm able to do something, no matter how small, I will do it. If it's for a person that I love, yes, definitely. That's a that's a really good motto to take from it. Mm. Because, I mean, like, you know, losing, obviously, your father and everything, it's, like, that's quite tough. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, the fact that your mom is still very present in your life. Oh, absolutely. It's like, yeah, because, I, I mean, like... I think that was one thing my mom taught me. She mm. lost her dad, I think, when she was like late teens. Yeah, he died um, when he was like mid fifties. Mm. And I remember her saying that her mother and her were suddenly just that bond went much closer. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, I remember um, Gran growing up, and she passed away in two thousand and four, and it was one of those things that you just kind of once you have that, yeah, you know, closeness with your parents, yeah. It's amazing. And and it's the same. Like, um, Emily and I do do it all the time. We have our parents around and everything. Mm. But, like, my brother's been living overseas mm. and he constantly Zooms with mum and dad. Like, it's always probably, good, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's massive to have that connection with your parents, even though Absolutely. they can, like, like, push them away and be less possessive. But it's just, I always find that, you know, you can't go wrong with family. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's... At the end of the day, in the past couple of years, what I've understood is at the end of the day, your family is always going to be there. Yeah. No matter how um, how messed up or how anything is anything. Yeah. Your family is the only ones who are going to be there. It's you, you yourself and then your family. Yeah. So you can never go wrong with that. And I, every time like I see like a family feud or something, I'm just like, look, you need to keep your family close. 
yeah. because at in the end of time like we have no idea what's going to happen to any of us no and we need to keep our family close yeah you know it's it's very inevitable that at the end of the day only they will be there yeah, like, you know, i've seen live examples of this all the time do you, so what was your reason to move here then what was that decision for you it was so i did my so after high school that's when um there's a bunch of stuff with my parents they separated and everything once i finished mm. high school and then i didn't really know what i wanted to do at that point yeah like every other indian kid um i my dreams were to be either a doctor or an engineer but i suck at math like i am i'm <laughs> seriously bad at it um not even just math physics chemistry oh my god uh, i can't tell when it gives me nightmares <laughs> it's uh, it's something uh, <laughs> that is just like my entire childhood wrapped into one i'm terrible at all those things i'm like so glad you get that as well oh, definitely like um i have no idea how i passed all those exams in year 12 Oh um, my god. It's um it's definitely um a miracle. Yeah. I do believe in miracles especially that one. <laughs> um cuz yeah the, the curriculum over there what's that like what was that like? Um <laughs> in a nutshell it's um study as much as you can and you hope you for pass. <laughs> okay, great. So <laughs> so <laughs> about as good as here no uh, it's not because it's never specific to what you want to do yeah it's always the general thing like uh, i am a biology student <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah <laughs> going to cameras oh by the way i know biology <laughs> i'm surprised you're surprisingly good at botany and zoology but everything else i kind of sucked <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so i'm just going to uh, you know the string line biology and zoology questions now i think <laughs> for the best <laughs> But like how how did they like so um with high school once I've got done all with all of that yeah um I was so sometime back my dad suggested you could try journalism and I was like okay that's something I could try yeah and there was this one course that was called uh journalism mass communication and video production I was like oh that's not something like I could do yeah because I already like photography at that point my aim was to be a photographer uh, or yeah. like a photojournalist but you know it kept changing as I went through yeah uni so 3 years of bachelor's i did my first short film on a smartphone um oh yeah a lot of fun we got the fourth prize in in 300 entries in all over all over our state it was a state championship wow and that felt good yeah that felt very good and and like at that point i had no knowledge about any of this technical yeah. side or anything it was just whatever we could with phones and just random issues and everything And after that I was like okay I could I could I kind of like the idea of 24 frames per second instead of yeah photography so from there we started doing me and a couple of my friends we just started doing uh more short films uh we worked on some documentaries all internal school projects uh then I was popular in uni too because I was the tech guy I was the go to <laughs> tech guy for every department um uh, because teachers used to come to my class and they were like yeah is arvind here I'm like yeah <laughs> and they were like yeah can you come with me we have an issue with that i'm like oh yeah sure and i i used to get free attendance in every class i'm like yeah sure i'll do this <laughs> <laughs> my god so my my uni days were fun so that's how i got into this whole cinematography yeah thing editing thing and that's when i shot with nikon canons whatever i could get my hands on yeah i don't i didn't really care about what camera i shot on i just wanted to shoot and explore what i could do with 
gear and we did a lot yeah and i was on the papers once for like a short film that we shot wow yeah um um i did um, i had a tv interview a couple of things i was in a band at that time <laughs> it was it was everything at once but it was a fun time man but stressful at the same time yeah and after uni um i took a year break and when i was working on weddings and events and stuff which was fun but stressful yeah indian weddings are quite the stressful thing um, because They, it's it's long and it's a lot of people yeah isn't it like extended family like basically all your imagine 2000 people in the same place <laughs> it's not covid friendly especially <laughs> it is not oh. covid friendly that you can be very sure of <laughs> uh, it's uh, i shot around six weddings wow uh, in a year and all six weddings were stressful as hell Mm. and it was me and my friends again but we just we stopped once the last wedding we finished we were just like you know what we don't want to do weddings anymore wow so we just didn't turn to short films and more doing more documentaries and stuff yep um one of those documentaries we actually were threatened to be sued over by this guy he was like if you release it you'll be sued i'm like oh this is new it was fun it was um i can't really talk about that actually <laughs> can i just say like but i i love that you can't talk about it but also just the fact that you were s- s- almost sued like it just sounds like a badass situation it was quite the badass situation like i felt good about myself at that point <laughs> but then i was like oh my god if i get sued no that's way too much price to pay for that yeah yeah you know, it, like i was just uh, it was just calculations in my mind i'm just going um you know what maybe not yeah <laughs> i like copyright and, and and the ability to be sued is like such a fine line that i'm just like nah got to <laughs> definitely walk away exactly um, but and that's awesome so then then you left India to come to here. Yep. Uh 2017 I finished uni. Uh until yep. 2018 I worked and I watched uh, millions of YouTube videos possibly. Yeah. Um possibly gathering all the knowledge I could on camera systems, on gear, on techniques, yeah. on films, watching things that I haven't watched, watching foreign films. Um so I was just gathering all this and towards the end of 2017 um my mom was like do you want to go outside and study? I was like oh, outside. Okay. <laughs> That's a good option. <laughs> and then I was searching for film schools around the world and yeah. Um in Sydney my mom's brother her own brother he's a citizen here. Yep. And he lived here and I asked him I heard the Sydney film school in Australia what do you think? And he said yeah, I'll go there and I'll see what's it about. And he went there he talked to the people and he got back to me he's like it's a good place. I think you would like it here. Mm-hmm. And then I applied I had my interview in 2019 March. um then a month later i heard that i got in yep um the fees was pretty damn high at about $29,000 i was like oh my god <laughs> but um my mom has always put education above money yeah and she with my mom she was engaged at the age of 16 and she got married at the age of 18 wow in her in her time so she never got the chance to finish high school yeah or go to uni or anything so she was like you know what once my kids grow up like i want to be you know like i want to be a part of the education i want to yeah. make sure that they learn so she's paid for my fees and everything which i'm very very thankful for and very grateful for yeah so that's how i got to the sydney film school in july 2018 and then i did an year in aftt um for my advanced diploma so yeah. that's two years of film school and then i've been 
working on anything and everything since then. Wow. Can I just say, like, what a mom. What a, what a mom. <laughs> um, no, because that's fantastic. I mean, like, the fact that you, you know, the fact that um, you've got family here as well. Yeah. Because if you, are you basically um, partial citizen here because of your family or is Not it... really, no. Yeah, so that makes it a little bit hard. Because um, what do you want at the moment? Are you on so, a visa? I'm on a bridging visa because one of my visas is still being processed because, yeah. you know, COVID. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> it's like but... Australian Post. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of is. Yeah. Because, um, like, what it, what does it require, that bridging visa? Like, how's that work? Bridging visa is the thing with this. I can't go back home anytime soon until either that comes back positive or yeah. something. Yeah. So... I don't know. It's a it's a lot to go through at the same time. Yeah. Um, but someday, well, I'm up for a new job pretty soon. Yes. I, I hope I, I am. Yes. So if that, then that's a permanent job. So and it's five days a week and it's pretty good, um, salary for an entry level. And if I get it, I can probably use that to get another visa or something. Yeah. So. There are options, but it's just hard. Yeah. You know, Australia likes to make it hard. Oh, doesn't it just? Because it's like, I looked at, this was ages ago, because I was just super curious, but I looked at how to become a citizen in Australia. It's like fucked. It's like absolutely fucked. And it doesn't make sense because it's the same with American citizenship. They're just like, what color is the Australian flag? Okay. Why the fuck? Like, uh, who were the people who settled on Australia? It's like, who the fuck cares? Like, at this point, are you a good person? Will you work hard? Yep. Like, those are the things you really should ask in citizens. Because it's, it's just so silly to send people back when yep. they don't. Like, you know, most most Australians don't care about history. That's the exactly, thing. Exactly, yep. Um, and I, I'm sorry, like, you know, I bitch about it all the time, but the Liberal government is just <laughs> fucked and backwards. And it's very apparent that our government is heavily religious um, politics mm-hmm. over actual yep. social and human, um, human um, like, anthropology yep. kind of, like, statements. Yeah. Because they don't care about human rights. They yep. care more about profit and economy. And it's yep. like well, every press conference they've ever had goes about... How do we benefit the economy? I don't know. How do we make a private... How do we make our hospital systems better? And also, how do we make the education system better? <laughs> like, let's just broaden this out and kind of get the thing rolling. Yeah. But um, no, all of that's under underutilized and stuff. And I remember years ago, this was like 2011, 12, yeah. was when Abbott just got in, or before Abbott, and they were talking about stopping the boats. Mm-hmm. And this was like, you know, people fleeing countries that weren't safe. Mm. And I was like, why are we stopping boats? Like, why are we going, yeah, go back to wait. It's like, this is awful. Yeah. Like, you're in a worse country, so of course you're going to come to Australia because yep. it's safe. It's yep. inviting. But there's this sort of thing that I, you know, often say to people like, mm. that as citizens, well, I've got one person in my family who's Aboriginal, mm. like one person who's Indigenous. Mm. and But other than that, I can't sign a form saying I'm Torres Strait Islander yeah. or, you mm. know, Indigenous in any way because it's, you know, it'd be frankly lying. Yeah. And so, therefore, it's like, well, most of my blood is Anglo-Saxon, so yep. it comes from Europe. Mm-hmm. So, technically, yep. other than the fact that I live here yep. and I was born here, yep. I have no ownership of this land. True. And then that goes to me, just goes the this sheer righteous nature of mm. the civil, you know, like the basically becoming a citizen of Australia. It just yep. means 
actually, why don't we know more about the indigenous population yep. than we actually know about the last 200 years? Exactly. Because this country's multiculturalism seems to be smushed into a corner. Uh-huh. Um, and I know we were speaking off mic about it, but it's it's very, very apparent. It is. And I think there's a position uh-huh. that both of us play uh-huh. as, you know, men in the world. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you're a person of colour. Yeah. So therefore it's like you're a slight disadvantage to me. Exactly. Which is stupid. It is very stupid. It's like... And and the fact though that we're both equally as knowledgeable yep. about things, yep. and yet society goes, well, this white person knows clearly more, <laughs> and it's like, hang on, how? Like, why don't you know? And but the most thing is like, you know, the fact that they just don't give equal opportunities based, yeah, and and they'll say they'll blatantly deny yep. that that is like that's the reason they didn't pick you, and it's like we've seen multiple number of times, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, how does, how do you kind of like, for your own benefit, how do you kind of just gloss over a lot of that nowadays? Or do you kind of like make it very apparent to people that it's the, you know, do you make a statement on it these days where you just go, now the bullshit is there? Um, I don't know. The thing is, with things like racism and, you know, skin color and everything, yeah. that's, some, that's a concept I've never been able to wrap my head around because it doesn't make sense to me. No. Like I'm like I'm not speaking as the novelty part of it because I I just cannot understand why skin color is a big deal. I'm just like <laughs> why are we like why is there this big thing about skin color? Like why why does racism exist? It doesn't make any sense to me. No. Like I've tried my best to understand. I've read articles. I've read news stories, and I've read so much about it. But to this day, I cannot make sense of racism because it's just a stupid thing to exist. Yeah. It should have never existed on the planet. No, in the first place. And with me, I have never come across anything, any racism against me. Yeah. Thankfully, um, because everybody asks me, is Australia a racist country? I'm like, I've never come across anything like that. <laughs> I've definitely heard about it, but I've never come across anything of such. Or yeah. I have, I have I been racially discriminated against anything? Um, or I might have been, but I didn't probably notice because I was just like, you know what, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. So that's probably it. And when it, when if I ever hear instances of that, I'd be like, look, this is something that cannot exist in a country. It's multicultural as fuck. Yeah. You know, like you, like you stand in the middle of town hall and you see people of all kinds there, like mm-hmm. every single kind. You can you can see Asians, you can see white people, you can see um, Africans, you can see anyone and everyone. Yeah. So just being in that small portion of Sydney, like, and I'm thinking, how can racism actually exist? Like, it does not. It it's not something that is for Australia, but I get why Australia is referred to as racist. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm just like I'm glad that I've I haven't had such an such an experience. Um, except for this one time with a couple of students in one of the film schools, but that was I don't know that that I don't know. To me, that was a interesting experience because I was like these people are ganging upon me. But is it because I'm different? <laughs> it was it was really confusing. I'm like, why why are these people ganging upon me? Yeah. But also, I didn't give a shit about that thing. I was yeah. like, you know, like, I, I'm paying double the fees of you guys not to get this. But uh, I just went to the head of school and I said, look, I'm paying more fees than them not to be, you know, aimed at like this. Um, And then they completely understood everything. Yeah. And they were like, look, 
you do whatever you want to do we'll always support you with whatever and like oh thank you and i didn't have to see these people for the rest of my year wow <laughs> i mean i th- <sighs> that's that's also great because i mean it, it just goes to show that you can do that nowadays yep. versus like you know 20 or 30 years ago i mean oh. it, it also just like you know we still have the problem of racism in political status thank you Is morrison that- government <laughs> by the time this episode comes out the election will have passed whether or not he's still in power if he is fuck me if he isn't woo <laughs> that's my response i think but that's everybody yeah, no. but i mean like you just you go to situations where it's like okay well we've got like these schools and i feel like most people in countries like australia or especially like you know i think it also was really apparent to me in singapore yep. singapore's a great example yep. which i love singapore mm-hmm. great country Beautiful but country. It, it's like everyone under one roof yep. it is the most weird country to ever walk through because True. you will meet in the space of a block yep everyone yep and there's like little india there's like the you know the yeah, markets the little yep. chinese yep. north korean mm-hmm. or like south korean everything parts. in one place it's like okay what is this place like <laughs> it's great um but i think the thing was i loved that because you had all these cultures yeah and you had all these things and i think also growing up around the inner west and especially like you know Parramatta and western sydney and stuff yep. there's a really sense of multiculturalism over there there's a True. sense of it here um but then you sort of see like there's the occasional people who come to different parts and they go yep. You know, they just go, oh, you know, fuck these people. I'm like, okay, why? Like, if you go to, if you go to, uh, I think it's like Libcom away, mm. or um, you find the best Lebanese food, or oh, yeah. you know, like you go, sorry, uh, <laughs> if you go out that way, great Lebanese food, great like um, Turkish food. You know, you get the whole mix. Yep. Same with here, you can kind of get a bit, but there was like. Even Leichhardt used to be the place where you get Italian food. Now it's yeah. kind of dissipated yeah. because of, you know, a lot of the Indian, um, sorry, the Italian families moving out, yeah. which is a shame yeah. because it was like, it was thrive. It was little India. Mm-hmm. Um, little, sorry, little Italy. Italy God, yeah. my eyes and <laughs> <laughs> fuck me. It was little Italy right there. And, um, but there's one place down the road, which is far end. And it's like a proper Italian place. Mm-hmm does pasta fresh every day. Ooh. So it's like a really good joint. Mm. And I used to go there to get gnocchi. Mm. And you can taste that this gnocchi is actual potato. It's mm. not like the cheap knockoff. <laughs> they've just rolled flour and just gone, ah, good enough. Um, and our friend Rachel was probably listening to this going, I know exactly what you <laughs> Send her that exact clip. Um, but yeah, it's like it's a... You know, the whole fact of Sydney has changed over time. Yep. But I think I do agree with you. It is like racism is still there. It is leaving aspects. Mm -hmm. It's less prominent in your face. Yeah. But it's more subtle. It's very subtle. It reminds me of um, Get Out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which, which is just, you know, Jordan Peele hit it on the head with in terms of just racism without being racist exactly i was terrified from that movie i said no way <laughs> this is like it's, it's too real um 
I I was so terrified. I couldn't really watch it. Probably I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like so terrified after that. It's. I think it's also what scares me a little bit about aspects like that is just the fact that you know we have mutual friends um, who obviously have either encountered or haven't encountered um, stereotypical behavior yep. or stuff. And it doesn't come down to the color of their skin either. Yep. It comes down to their names. It comes down to the, you know, like, um, but there's also this thing that I discovered recently, which is called white passing, mm-hmm. which I didn't really fully understand what white passing meant, mm. but it meant that you're an ethnic person, but you were mostly pale. You were Caucasian and skin tone. <laughs> so therefore it was technically white passing. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> So what, does that culturally, is that then kind of tick a box where you're left alone by the rest of the fuck knuckles? <laughs> and yes, you get a brand now. Um, where you're left alone and then it's okay to mm. not to assault anyone or verbally abuse people who are not white passing? Apparently so. Yeah, it's so, like a passport actually. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, here's my passport. I'm actually born here, but I look like I was born here. <laughs> You're born anyway, you fucking look. <laughs> it's like most politicians, if you look at them, most um, of them were born in Europe. Yeah. They were all, like, I think um, a lot of them were born overseas. Yeah. Moved here. Mm. That's the fact. Yeah. And if you were born in Australia, mm. okay, doesn't really change how I doesn't see you. Doesn't make sense, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it really doesn't. And I think that's such a shame mm. that as you were saying about the citizenship and how much of a hassle it is that we're forced to it still in such a society now where Mm -hmm. everything's online and everything is kind of just, you could fill out a form and suddenly it's just like, beep, you know, like um, it's, I don't know how you, (laughs) you stand it to be honest. (laughs) It's a, it's called being patient. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're very patient, um, which is for sure. I mean, I know, I know. Also, um, off mic, we were talking about it, but like, um, what and the fact that you're a disability advocate yep. um, is that something that people comment a lot on your disability in negative ways, or is it something that people kind of comment um, on positive ways these days? I haven't had a negative comment about that. I think. Um, that's great. Um, but back in uh, to solve this one or twi- once or twice back in high school days, back in India. Yeah. But other than that, I've never had a negative comment on that because mm. it's just a shit thing to comment on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it makes you a bit of a shit. <laughs> exactly. Like if you comment, if it's a positive comment, yes, I can get it. Yeah. But like to comment negatively on a person's disability or like appearance or anything, that's just a super shit thing to do. <laughs> like you should. It, it logically just doesn't make sense to no. make a negative comment and if someone does that anyway i'm just like well who hurt you yeah <laughs> i mean it's also like i think the thing is people feel like they can't ask there's yep. a lot of they can't ask those questions mm. and the fact that you've you know you basically in line of the light pirate yeah um means that you kind of make it approachable to yeah. talk about exactly um because they feel like I know we mentioned off mic, but I'll get you to re-explain the story of how it Absolutely. happened as well. But yeah, you've had this since you were six. So yeah. it's like, um, if you want to explain. Um, so, um, well, this has always been a part of me, you know, yeah. since I can actually remember stuff. Um, so what happened was I was at a cousin's birthday party when I was six years old. Yeah. And we were playing around outside and suddenly 
she was chasing me and so there's this bike with a big headlight that's parked on the side and there's like this i think our our chauffeur or the driver he was just sitting on top of it just like i think smoking or something yeah it's casually and i run into the headlight of the bike which was actually already broken because of the force of my head on it um the glass broke and a couple of pieces just pierced my eye through and through yeah uh, and i it's actually i'm actually missing a bone on the bottom wow. here I, i have no idea how that happened <laughs> like is my head that powerful i don't think so <laughs> it's shielded is basically what i it is. have no idea like You've i don't got, like adamantium or some sort of like vibranium I hope, yeah that would be cool actually that but, would be cool yeah but not this cool <laughs> <laughs> and um so according to my mom I only really, like remember flashes of what happened. I remember crashing into it. Yeah. And I remember some people running behind me. I think it was my mom and my grandmother. Yeah. And someone had me on their shoulders and they've cupped my eye closed with one of their hands. And then I've completely blacked out for the next 3 days or 4 days. Yeah. And that's when they had to do one or two surgeries to get around 13 pieces of glass shards out of my left eye. and it had completely cut off my retina and a couple of my nerves in the back of the eye yeah um a lot of people do ask like can't i get like an eye replacing surgery i can't because you need the retina for vision uh, there is no retina regrowing medication yeah. or anything in the world as of now um the second thing is if you even if you replace the eye you can't really replace the eye no. you actually replace the cornea with the other cornea you know with the donor and, the, and all of that yeah. kind of stuff So for that your eye needs to be a certain shape. So mine kind of got um disfigured due to the glass. Yeah. So that was another option that was out of the way. Now the only treatment that's left for me is a plastic surgery where I can make the appearance of my left eye same as my right eye just for like appearance basis, you know. Yeah. And that is something that I've thought about the past 3 years. I'm like should I do it? Should I not do it? I haven't done it yet because apparently until the age of 22 or 23 your eye is still growing. Really? Uh, yeah. I didn't know that at all. No, I did not know that too. Um. That was a doctor's words. <laughs> And um so I haven't done it yet so I'm that's something that I'm like do I have to do it? Yeah. Um society says that I have to. But my mind says I don't really have to but do I really have to? It's a very confusing question yeah. when it comes from all aspects. What well, my best friend says If you have the ability to erase a scar you take it and I do I do get it and you yeah. know she she has all the good in her heart and everything so that's something that I'm still pondering about but you know yeah I mean like I totally get that statement as well I think that's quite hard because um you know I'm obviously not in your position but yep. I I don't think I think the thing that I admire about you yep. is the fact that you've also made it such a positive thing about yourself. I've well. tried my best to make it a yeah. positive thing on my life, yeah. Yeah. And I mean like th- because the thing is I not to sound negative of yeah. some people, but I do think that some people wane on their disabilities and I'm like the thing is what makes us stronger yep. is showing how they shine. Exactly. Um like all my disabilities are internal, so yep. like they they're completely completely um like in my mind. Yeah. So they're not something that's like neurodiverse yep. human can't do much about yep. that. That's yep. like just how I was born. And I think for some people that's like, oh, but you can take meds and stuff. I was like I can, but mm. also I manage without them. Like exactly. it's not 
they don't cripple me. And I think the thing that, you know, whether you have a physical or, you know, um, or a mental issue, it's just scars are what shape us. Yeah, exactly. And they really, to fit in, I hate this fitting in. Thing. Exactly, me, me too. <laughs> yeah, because it's like it's it's such a bullshit line mm-hmm. which people draw, mm-hmm. and they're like, "I've got to be like everyone else." I'm like, "No, fuck that. Yeah, fuck being like everyone else. I'd rather be a nice person mm-hmm. and be a decent human being exactly. to everyone around me, yeah, than being the asshole that is everyone else." No, I do not. That's one thing I've always strived not to be because I've seen enough and more people just being complete assholes in their lives yeah and even now like you know like for example if i go to a pub or a bar like and i observe everything that's that's Mm. one of the things i have to do it's just i'm used to doing it yeah and around i always be seeing all these assholes around i'm just like why are you like this for like for what reason and again the question of who hurt you yeah you know so i'm like trying my best to be a good human being as much as possible and I try to be the nicest version of me as much as I can be, like yeah. like literally possible, you know. I think that also I think that's because we've had stuff that happened when we were exactly. so young. Yeah. So I feel like it, it's such a learning thing. You exactly. have to learn at a young age. Yeah. <clears throat> how to deal with the fact it's just it's it's a common courtesy thing. It's being nice. It's being respectful, and I always feel that people who have have had stuff happen to them later in life, yep, tend to not have that sort of going. Oh, this happens to everyone. Like this is very common. Exactly. And they go, "No, I'm the only one that's ever that you know." And everyone yep. else is just. And I'm like, "No, that's not how that works." Exactly. Um, uh, trauma changes you in ways that you wouldn't even yeah. know. Yeah. And um, that's something that I figured once I started going to therapy and stuff. Yeah. Um. Like, that's something that I figured one night. I was like, a lot of me has changed in the past. How many years? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, when I got here, I was a different person. Now I'm a completely different person. Uh, I got here, I was a very introverted person. But um, in a matter of months, I was I managed to become as extroverted as I could possibly be. And yeah. now I'm very outgoing and I'm very social and yeah. I'm very approachable and everything. Yeah. So with all of that... I got to thinking, I'm like, for all the trauma that I've ever faced in life, with my dad's death, with all of the other things, yeah, it definitely does change you in ways that you would not really know until you actually see a therapist or someone. Because everything apparently has roots to how you behave and how you change. Yeah. And that's like an eye-opening truth. Like the first time I realized that in my therapist's office, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like that is that definitely does make a lot of sense now because yeah. everything is deep rooted within us yeah and trauma also does make sense um because it changes us for the better like yeah. that's what i think i i've used trauma to become better um, yeah to be honest and um not everybody can do that um but everybody should be like you know thriving to do that because at the end of the day trauma has nothing on us no you know like we have to live our lives for how many over years that's in that in front of us and not giving into what's happened in the past that's one of the key things that we have to be able to get get behind you know yeah it if we can get a hold of what we were in the past or what happened to us in the past everything in the future just makes it a teeny bit simpler or like 
mm-hmm. a teeny bit less complex. That's what I have found out in the last three or four years. I hundred percent agree with all of that. Yeah. Um, all of that sentiment. I I mean, like I've been going to therapy now quite a few years, and I I mean, it's also one of those things that I think I touched upon my mental health. Mm. Um, probably mid twenties. I think it was like a, you know a big kick in the gut when it was sort of like okay, well, you know, a couple of breakups, a couple of like situations in my life, and I was like, okay, well, there's something clearly wrong, and you know, I've got to go and sort that out. Yeah. And a lot of my yeah, like rooted problems were the fact that I hadn't gotten over a lot of high school trauma and stuff yep. like that, and it was like, you know, and just feeling isolated mm-hmm. and then suddenly like um yeah this the company that you surround yourself with and the exactly. people that you know suddenly you just come out of your shell and you're mm-hmm. like okay well if i just surround myself with positive people and you yeah. know all this sort of sense of goodwill yeah then suddenly i'm going to enjoy seeing people i'm not going to be this introverted kid who goes no i don't want to see anyone like exactly. fine. um yeah so i mean i think it's also it's the same um proof that uh emily had happened ever since we started dating she she writes music and so i feel like for her a lot of her enjoyment comes from like her and if, you know, like now with um sending me music and her friends music yeah and then going and going like and now this year she's going to actually get some of it a little bit recorded so we can actually have um and send it to people oh that's fun yeah so mm. i feel like that then creates excitement because before, like she said to me, she was like, I wouldn't do this last year. Mm. Like if it wasn't for you and a few of our friends, it yeah. wouldn't really have the courage. Mm. But it's amazing what happens when you surround yourself with that positivity. Exactly. And yeah. you kind of go from here mm. to here. Exactly. And, you, and I feel like, the, you know, the, our industry in particular yeah. is quite soul-sucking. It is. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's be that's, real. That's a great, that's, um, a, that's a great two words. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you, you know, and I feel like you and I have been quite lucky as we know, we kind of read through bullshit and we kind of just go, you're wasting my time right exactly, now. Exactly, yeah. Fuck this. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I feel like how do you kind of go approaching that now? Because you, even though with your full, um, you're about to start a full-time job, you yeah. like when you network and stuff, how do you know when someone's worthwhile your time and you just kind of go, okay, well, this is going to be um, either a make it or break it. It's a good question. Um, I've always, I mean, in the past, I think three or four years, I've kind of made use of having this gut feeling, mm. you know, like someone told me to trust my gut. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty good advice. <laughs> Never occurred to me before because I always ignored, like sometimes I know this is not right, yeah. but then I'll go ahead and do it and it turns out to shit. I'm just like, oh, should yeah. have listened. So in the last three years, I've gone with the vibes. You know, when I, when I start talking to someone in the first five minutes, I will kind of get the vibe. They're either good or they're not that good. And I'll just trust it. Yeah, and that way I've made use of my time with the people I actually connect. Yeah, and I know it's it saved me from a lot. Yeah, especially um, this is not it's not judging people. It's more like the way they talk to me, the way they talk to someone else who's next to me. Like I am, as I'm talking to them, I'm possibly analyzing the way they're talking to me in my head. You know, it's like a a uh, thousand processes going in the back of my head going okay do, do i like this guy do i like do i like do i like this girl mm, yeah she's right or oh, she works here or oh, she could be 
uh, she could be useful. And <laughs> then also then I'll think, oh my god, she's really cool. Uh, like yeah. we are like the same person. We could we could be friends. And I've met quite a number of people even on just on Instagram. Um, like I've just had I just followed this one person and we just texted for like fifteen minutes nonstop. And I was just like, oh my god, are we the same person? <laughs> Sometimes like you know miracles happen like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've always gone with the vibe. Sometimes when I see a person, I'm just like, okay. I know I will get along with you. But yeah. At times I, my mind is going something is not right. Yeah. You know and it it definitely becomes true which is the most scary part. You know like when someone someone is not who they seem to be or when someone is not right for for me or when it comes to um someone my someone that's with my best friend or anything I'm just like something's not right. Yeah. You know, like my my gut says uh to run uh but maybe don't run uh, just you know ease off <laughs> yeah i mean it's so true i think also with um gut feelings i, I like i love that because i'm <laughs> shoot um i'm i'm the same i very much like go gun ho or yep. kind of gauge it i think it's also i had the problem with for many years being just the yes person and just going oh yeah no you're enthusiastic cool yeah we're great i think we are the same person yeah <laughs> i feel like we're very similar, <laughs> which is great because i'm loving your company um but it's i mean like also it was basically from our messages of just yeah. been like oh i've always wanted to talk to you i've always wanted to talk to you <laughs> um we're very similar but it's like i think also you know it's like that thing where you know you don't want to be the yes person mm-hmm. and i remember one experience and i think the younger i was the less i was the ability to say no oh yeah true and i think that's come with such an age thing mm-hmm. as i gotten older i'm like no like i'm not being an ass about something and i now understand when people you know said to me i was like no you should say no like yep. this is this is not okay and now i just go no that's what your behavior is is unfair and or unjust yeah and i think this is the thing I think that you know there's a bit of a shoe that our industry is made up of very weird factions. Mm-hmm. So recently like a few years back um you know you had the me too movement which yep. is great. Yep. Great movement. But then it took off to the extreme mm-hmm. where every action was, was a me too was yeah. a me too movement. Yep. It's like hang on. So I can't say hi to someone without them going <sighs> What do you want? And it's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, okay, cool. So you can't just, you know, be a person. Yeah. So there was a real sense of, like, disengagement to everyone. And yep. as a feminist, I was mm. like, this doesn't make sense. Like, exactly, yeah. Um. So I feel I feel like there's a sense, and, and I have had this conversation many times, where it's like people think that, you know, gender is such a you know defined by a lot of things yep. and especially in our industry because it's like you know um the grammys and oscars great example <laughs> oh my God. um you know the fact that you know justin bieber can wear a hoodie walk in and be like no one gives a shit but if if a girl did that it would be like oh my god what is wrong with her i know um you know like shit. <laughs> i was just watching that today i was yeah. like justin bieber is wearing a damn hoodie like <laughs> what the hell yeah who is he that little <laughs> shit i was like who are you, you fucking tosser um but i mean like there's this this sort of gloss over um I, it's also quite bad because emily and i were messaging each other going mm. fuck this dude fuck the emmys <laughs> 
Such a shit show. And then we're like, oh my God, Olivia Rodriguez. Oh, look at her. She's so amazing. I know. Uh, let's hope she doesn't get raked into like Hollywood and they're going to try and sexualize a 19 year old. I hope so. I really hope oh, so. I hope so. Um, but I mean, like, there's all this sort of thing where they kind of go, let's hypersexualize women and let's not sexualize men and yep. let's do it the same with the music industry and stuff like this. Exactly. And I think the thing that I find interesting is when people say they're feminists mm. and or you know or there's you know people who go oh you know you know you're you're fake or you're something and i'm like okay yeah. well clearly you don't know me exactly or clearly you're bl- uh, blatantly bad at yeah how, how you perceive people yeah um because there are clear signs there are so many signs of people who are awful yeah and that i see get so much work mm-hmm. and i'm like how do they get so much work when they are the worst person I've always to that. <laughs> to work with like and they're like oh you know and and like you know there's the cancel culture and everything but i remember you know i've had friends definitely who have just like oh my god you need to shut up like yeah been on set with them and i'm like you're nice offset but the moment you say something like that on set, it's going to kill the mood. And, every, and you know, I remember so many times on set, so many women were there and I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be the worst. But I do hate that thing. And I've said it so many times. It's like I hate being that person who ticks boxes when there's in the technical field, there's so many yeah. women and you feel like you are ticking this yeah. box of in- inclusive nature. Yeah. Okay, cool. And it's that is the worst feeling. And I remember yeah. one campaign years ago. My friend was like, yeah, just say how many women are working on set. And I was like, no, because that's going to make me feel like a really great person and patting myself on the back. Like, (laughs) fuck me. So there's this sense, I think, of, yeah, not trying to connect that whole, you know, separate it Mm -hmm. and, you know, just let the creative and the work speak for itself. But I think because of all these movements and because of the cancel culture, it, it is very hard to promote yourself it in is such a genuine way it is without, true. you know like the you know the thing about a podcast as well is mm. people could take a snippet of me and just turn it into anything else that's like, true <laughs> like that's the bullshit that encounters like it's never about you know what yeah. you actually write mm-hmm. it's all about <laughs> you're uh, you said this one quote that in context makes sense out of context doesn't make sense no yeah. there's like there's been so many instances of things being taken out of context even the recent uh, Taylor Swift lyrics thing yeah. with who's that guy? I forgot whose name. Um, um, oh, do 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 do. Oh yeah, the who, stupid. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a huge thing, and I was like, look, it's clearly taken out of context. Like I can see that happening to get yeah. the ratings up. And look, nobody in their logical mind would say something <laughs> comment like that. Like that's just dumb. Unless look. I have always respected Kanye West or like how he goes by like ye right now. He has always been an inspiration, but I don't know what happened to him nowadays. He's I, gone down a darker path, you know. I like think I, he's got a lot of mental health issues at the moment. He does. And I yeah. definitely think he needs to see a therapist and sort this whatever shit's that haunting him like mm. completely out. Even with all his new albums coming out, it's even with his mask and his big ass outfits, I'm like, man, look, it's clear that you're going through shit. And yeah. you're trying to put that into music, and I get it. That's great, and it's like it's a tribute to your mom and everything. That's wonderful. Yeah. But you clearly has issues, especially with his wife, the yes. other guy, other guy, his wife is dating, his kids. It's a whole mess, and especially with 
Kanye West with his all comments and you know his mm. earlier feud with Taylor Swift, which I'm just like, man, what is wrong with you? Well, it's also like um, I think everyone thought it was a bit of a joke when he was trying to run for like president and. <laughs> And I mean, all in well, but it was just like the campaign he ran. I was like, mate, you look like you're about to drop dead on stage. Like, you poor thing. Like, what's happened? I know. And I have a lot of respect for Kanye West as well. I think mm. he's a great artist. He but is. A, he was. Yeah, he was. He was. He, at the moment, he was. And um, it sounds like he passed away. But yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I miss the whole Kanye, you know. Yeah. I think it's also just the, that is the... um. I heard a slight buzz. I was like, what's that? <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like that is the nature of, you know, just being a musical artist. Yep. It's it's like a certain light of pressure mm-hmm. and then it suddenly crashes down when you're not as relevant because all these new artists come in yep. and it's keeping yourself relevant. And I think also, and then it also comes as a person of color. It's it's like the, the you know, because the Kim Kardashian thing and then, the, you know, oh like God. his fame took off from that as well and yeah, skyrocketed it's... more. And then suddenly it's like that whole thing with, you know, Pete Davidson or Kim Kardashian. It's, and just, it's so just funny. Like it's just... <laughs> at some point I'm just like, this is just like, it's just comical. Yeah. You know, like I, for the life in me, I do not understand why this is a big deal. <laughs> the bigger thing is I do not get why all these Instagram pages or news outlets needs to promote something like, oh, Pete Davidson is going to outer space or Kanye West wore this or Kim Kardashian did that. I'm like, look, this is not news. Yeah. Like, there's million other things that's happening on the planet that's much more positive and much more important you know all the things with ukraine all the things with uh that's happening all across the world all the attacks in israel and everything these are 11 things but the things with kim kardashian's fashion choice or uh, uh see um yeah that recent uh viral interview of kim kardashian uh, with all her other sisters i'm just like what the actual hell is actually happening and they I don't know <laughs> what you need. Like, well, why are you pushing this into my face? Yeah, it, it, but it also <sighs> makes me prominent because of the whole Grammys and the Oscars. It just goes, yes, Ukraine. But you all have money as rich people yep. to give to Ukraine. Exactly. And help support Ukraine, yet yep. all you're doing is making a speech about it. And that's the problem I have, yep. is there's no activism. Mm-hmm. In terms of the gra- like the Oscars and the Grammys are a front. Yeah, they are such a front now. I would I would say so. Yeah, and it's sort of it just you know, I think it was like Emily said to me tonight that it was the first album um, of the year at the Grammys that was won by a person of color. Yep, I, I, in like two thousand and eight or something like that. Was Which is kind of really fucked when you think about it. I mean, like, it took so long for someone of color to get it again. Yeah. I'm like, it's like what? <laughs> Sorry, you know, a lot of white people needed it first. <laughs> like, just, just what? Um, you know, and I think that's kind of where I fall for, like, you know, Oscar territory as well. Yeah. It's like it's you know, Oscar baiting because there were so many films that didn't win. Yeah, that were well, so much better. Yeah. Like the amount of Kenneth Branagh has won. I'm mm. like Kenneth Branagh fine director mm-hmm. should not star as hercule poirot mm-hmm. just saying it's not a choice <laughs> they should ever have done he should direct those films but get someone else to play the mustache <laughs> um it's just he's he's had his time yeah. he is a shakespearean director yeah he's very good at that mm. but i mean 
you know, other than that, he is not the forefront of modern cinema. Yeah. And it's like you've got directors who are coming out left, right, and center yeah. and making these amazing content and they're yeah. barely getting noticed. Exactly. I'm one thing is I'm very happy that the movie Coda actually got best yes. picture. Yes. I'm very happy that it got best picture. I haven't seen it yet. I'm so excited. Me too. I, I have it on my list. I haven't had the time to watch it. No. <laughs> Isn't that sad that we're both like we love this film, we but love we haven't seen it. But like, I, I've read, I think I kind of read the plot and it was on Apple TV and I was like, oh, I need to watch this. It's yeah. been on my list for like months now. Yeah. But I haven't had the time to sit down and actually watch no, it. No. If I'm watching a movie, I want to be like, I want to be like able to take a deep breath and kind of just watch it instead of having a million other things to do. Yeah, God, yeah. So I'm just like, I really need to watch it. I'm really happy that a movie starring disability disabled actors yeah got best picture at the oscars and i'm really happy the supporting character award went to went to that guy yeah and i'm like this is one of the best things that's actually happened yeah i think it's also like um i think his name troy costa mm. i think his name is but i mean also you know the fact that this film coda was actually portrayed by deaf actors. It yeah. wasn't portrayed by actors pretending to be deaf. Exactly. Which the original film was. Yeah. It was all people who could speak and yeah, the sign language. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, the sign language was poor. Yeah. It was just... And I feel like the fact that this is what, you know, um, disability does, it yeah. sort of promotes and you give people the chance to be different. Exactly. And, you know, it'd be like saying... You know, it's like when they were going through that period of time where they were like not casting uh, trans people yeah. um, in certain roles, and they were like Scarlett Johansson can play a trans character, and it's like, no, no, probably not <laughs> the best move, Hollywood. But you know, like Eddie Redmayne, when um, in that film back in the, um, I can't remember the, uh, the life of me, the name the title, uh, the Danish girl. There we go. Uh, yep, yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, um, that's on my list again. Good film, mm. good for good for the time. Yep. I mean, obviously, the director said, "Look, Hollywood at the time yep. couldn't really think much outside of my casting box True. because I needed to get the film made." True. Understand, respect that. I remember there was a whole argument about why don't they cast someone who's trans and everything. Yeah. And I was like, I get that, but also at the same time, that's probably a heavy thing for Hollywood even to get their head around at this point. This exactly, is like huge. And nowadays it's fine it's yeah. sort of like because tv does it like no tomorrow they just mm-hmm. go yeah you got a trans character in cool done who, who you know everyone had instagram finally fucking got around for it so everyone can put their pronouns <laughs> on it it's like and i feel you know being a queer person yeah. as well it's just so frustrating because i think for so long mm-hmm. there's been no space for people to come out uh, like or at least express who they are yeah and nowadays with our generation coming in mm. we're allowing that so freely for yeah. everyone to be who they are yeah. regardless of you know um gender identity or yeah. you know or skin color or anything yeah you just go in and go this is who i am mm-hmm. and we make films about it and we tell people stories but i mean there's this sense of like not following Hollywood yeah. glamour status. And that exactly. therefore makes us not win Oscars, <laughs> except when you're on viral platforms. <laughs> um, that's how it works. It's so bizarre. Like It is very bizarre. Um, I remember once years ago, and like friends of mine tried to get onto Netflix. Oh. And that's impossible virtually. I know. It's like they don't even have a 
email that you could send. I know. I've tried. I'm trying. I'm trying to search Netflix email. I'm like, there's nothing. Yeah, I know. It's like not even Netflix.com.au. Like, no, there's like, like, is that by design or? <laughs> I think it's just by asshole nature. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get on to their CEO. Look, uh, this is one thing that I've always said. Netflix is not the judge of um, what genuine cinema. No, it never is and never will be. Um, when uh, so there was this South Indian movie that was um, rejected by Netflix. Yeah, like a bunch of times, like ten times or something. Yeah, and they never got funding for it. But then they funded it themselves, and they made the feature. And then Netflix wanted to show it on their platform. Really? And they were like, you know what? No, Amazon Prime gets it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you know, so just because Netflix thinks that some script is not good enough, doesn't mean that's the end of cinema. They're not the judge of all things that's good. No, because it's. their viewpoint is just mostly how much money can we make of this yeah that's it. look it's always been business first it always will be business first yeah mm-hmm. it's this it's you know i feel like stan and stan original shows are really good some mm-hmm. of them like they're hit and miss but you know i feel like also when you know well, like screen australia is a bit of an odd one <laughs> screen australia and um you know all that f- private funding yep. in terms of getting government you know funding and everything i the amount of times i've got so many scripts in a drawer yeah that i've attempted to make and yeah. just basically gone up way too expensive to even <laughs> comprehend without like going out and doing a lemonade stand uh, <laughs> but it does feel like that where you go in and you know i remember talking as well about budgeting and yeah. going how much is time worth and we're on but on the same opinion of like we will offer skills yeah but we don't mind reducing what our wage is to exactly. help out if it's worth our time. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's um, what I would also do. Yeah. And I mean like how you know, because we're both like YouTube fanatics when it comes to teaching <laughs> ourselves. Like I think that also just like where did that start for you because was it just kind of your own curiosity to help other people or is it just kind of like you've learned to be like well, I can just be happy helping people. I don't know like at one point it just has to be in you like it's not something that you acquire yeah my dad loved helping people like he always did but he went too much with the helping factor <laughs> but for me it's like it's it's not about someone else's validation for me it's like when i see someone happy you know like someone just goes uh thank you so much for that it just makes me happy you know um yeah. i just genuinely want to help because i want to help I don't want payback for it or I don't want you to owe me or anything. I'm doing it just for the sake of me being a friend to you and I like this relationship and if you want to help from me I'll do it. Yeah. Uh if I'm able to uh help you in any possible way that I'm able to, obviously yeah. I'll help you if you are a friend of mine. Yeah. Um for me it's just a thing that I'll just do, you know, it's just it's just one of those things for me. Yeah. Um I've never thought too much about it. Um m- My brother and I we both like helping people. Um we are very helpful to people apparently. Um we are very useful in multiple number of situations. Uh that's what we have heard. It's not our own words. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that, written down. He's got a cue card in front of me just telling me <laughs> what to say. Uh, uh so that's the verdict from from multiple wow. number of people. Yeah. I mean because it also like you know it's the thing of being a good person. Yeah. and you know cuz like i love helping people too and i think it's what when people are willing to learn yeah 
and they're willing to try. Exactly. Love it. Yep. Because it means they're challenging themselves. Exactly. Because um, I feel like the thing is you don't, when you're kind of got experience under your belt and people go, oh, you don't need to learn anything more. I'm like, yeah, you do. It's always. Exactly. Like, you're always learning. Yeah. You'll never stop learning. No. <laughs> and it's sort of baffling to me, but it's like people just go, no, it's not, you know, this is the way it will always be. And I'm like, no, that's not. It's not how things are. Yep. People don't stationary their entire lives. We grow, yep. we change. We, and it's. I think the thing I find baffling is like, you know, when people stay in jobs for like 40 years. I know. And I'm like, well, how? Let's do different <laughs> things. Um, but yeah, like some people, I think it was back in the day where, you know, job security was so tight. Yep. And, you know, like nowadays being freelancing and then also just having full-time work, like, you know, that flexibility does, you know, strain a bit, but, yep. um, you know, I'm apparently one of the most enthusiastic person of people that, that anyone knows because I have a full-time job yet I do everything else on the outside. Yep. And everyone's like, how do you find the time? And I'm like, I don't, I don't sleep. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, it's the reality of the situation is I love helping. I love yep. helping people making their lives easy. Yeah. Um, but everyone's willing to help me in return. Mm, like exactly. it's not it's not one of those things that it's like and I always find the people who aren't mm. not worth my time. It's exactly. Like, it's, it's a two-way street. Yeah. It's always a two-way street. It's not like a one-way thing. And everybody that I've helped always been there for me yeah. in one capacity or the other. Yeah. And I really appreciate that about people. Yeah. And for me it's always been about like, you know, when I even when I took this job in this industry yeah it was for me it was about job fulfillment you know to feel good after a job yeah. if i was at a desk just working i wouldn't feel this good you know like it's at the end of the day this is what i explained to my mom too look i want job satisfaction above everything else yeah and this job gives that for me even though i don't sleep too <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> i mean it's it's, it's like for this particularly like i think the injury helped me slow down but i mean like for last year, um, because of granted lockdown, mm. um, I managed to just self-run so many projects. And it was so good. But it was mm. like, you know, you just kind of forefront your you know, own admin life. You yep. kind of just did everything. Yep. And I think that's one of the things like, um, you know, people ask me silly questions. Well, I don't think they're silly questions, but I often like kind of go, why do you do, you know, it's like the biggest question. Why do you do fan stuff? Why do you make this stuff that's not for profit? Yep. I'm like... Well, one, I do it because it's all my friends can get together. Mm -hmm. We can have fun doing something we love. Yeah. I get to fulfill, fulfill a childhood dream of mine, which is to do Doctor Who, which is like one of my favorite shows ever. Yeah. And at the same time, I get to have fun mm -hmm. and direct something Absolutely. And, and make something. Yeah. And that's to me is like no money profit whatsoever. I ha I pay a few people's wages or, you know, whatever, and yep. they're happy. But at the end of the day, everyone also just loves coming back because exactly. it's a nice environment. It was a good experience. People yeah. always come back for a good experience. Exactly. And I feel like the one that when they're like, okay, well, this is a bigger job. This is more challenging. I think that was the one thing that I always think I love mm. about, you know, um, is people go to me, you're very good at challenges. You don't throw anything <laughs> that isn't like a curveball at us because everyone just goes, man, you just 
took a third wheel there and just chucked it at us. Like, because <laughs> I just love ideas which don't you don't see in the normal ordinary day stuff. Yep, I get yep, bored yep. by seeing the same short films all the time. And it's like make Thank something you. new. Thank you. <laughs> so dull. Um, yeah, it's like I I think that's also the thing that I love about you know um, your photography and your cinematography as well because. You know, you you think like I do, which is very much outside of the box. Yeah, trying um, to every day. Yeah, and I mean, like you know, I mean, with you know, I remember what you were talking about before because of um because of your disability, it yep. does make kind of shots a lot easier. Yeah, because you've kind of got that camera. Yeah, I've got that single lens thing happening. Yeah, all the, all yeah. The way. I don't have to close one eye. Yeah, you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's the shot there. Yeah, and everyone goes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> um, so it, it must. How do you communicate that on set, though? How does how does it go communicating like shots on set? Everybody needs a camera to see. That's yeah. the thing. Like I'm I'm on location and I'm looking. Oh, that's that's actually a good perspective. Like I can see this line happening from the living room to the, to yeah. the kitchen over there. I was on location like on Sunday and to the director. I was like, it was like this open plan place. We went for the recce and. Yeah, and I was standing in the living room, and there's this clear line you can see in the kitchen. And I was like, "Yeah, we can do a shot here. It seems like a good depth and everything." And she's like, "Where?" I'm like here. She's like, "Oh." <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's I don't know. I like that discovery a lot. Yeah. And with me, it's been pretty easy trying to communicate with directors, and most directors I've worked for have understood what I'm actually saying. Yeah. Except for when I shot um, shot an opera with the Opera Australia and with the director um, Beth Daly and executive producer Nicholas Gentile and producer Demi Lewis. And that was an experience because they were more theater people. Yeah. And the theater and the film world was kind of a bit of an odd interaction, especially on an original French opera. Yeah. <laughs> and with actual opera artists on set. So that interaction took us a bit of an effort to kind of convey the meaning across the board. Yeah. But again, it was very easy for me to tell them, um, look, as far as I've heard, it's all movement. There's not a still frame in there that I can see. Uh, we're going to be moving around this big house that we're going to rent. Yeah. And it was wonderful. And they got it. And once they were on set, they always had this doubt in the back of my mind. They were like, how is this going to look? But in my head, I'm just like, I already know how it's going to look. Yeah. And on set, I showed them the first time. They're like, yes, that's what we were looking for. Yeah, and yeah. And I'm like, thank you. So, you know, trust goes a long way. Yeah. Especially with, um, I am very open-minded with what the director wants or even with what the first AD wants, you know. Like, yeah. you have to move with the move with the setup times and everything. I'm always taking uh, for the first AD, I'm like, how much time do we have? I'm not one of those DPs that, like, just keeps on setting up forever because I do not like that. No. I like to move on with my life. <laughs> yeah. A lot, especially on set. <laughs> I mean, it also just makes everyone's environment faster. and Exactly, go, yeah. Like, oh, okay, we're doing this shot now. We're doing this shot. And I mean, it also goes back to, you know, the editing perspective of my thing, which is you only really use the third take. Yep. Third or fourth take. It's Mostly. A, you really don't go beyond that. It's it's funny when I see people go, take nine. I'm like, oh, I'm not using this anymore. Like, yeah. I've, st I've stopped. Your actors don't care. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, I feel like um, it's such a thing about movement and stuff in, in film. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you can shoot stuff stationary. Handhelds, yeah. 
um, fine and, you know, everything. I'm a big fan of handheld. Handheld's great. Um, but I also think that, you know, like, obviously we were talking about VFX shots. VFX shots do need to be stationary. Because, they do. And you can do all the handheld in post. Yeah. It's like one of those things that people just go, this is the only time I'll allow anyone in set to go, we'll do it in post. I'm like, yes, <laughs> you are allowed to say this because yep. if it's anything else, I'll shoot you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's true because it's like the ludicrousy of when someone just goes, now nah, we'll fix it in post. And you're like, you fix that in camera now. It's like, um, it's like with, the, you know, like ADR and stuff. Like I said, I only want to, if it's not dialogue that you see all the way through, yep. just ADR it. Yep. Like it's so easy because mm. it's, you don't see the lips move and yep. therefore it's too far away for mm-hmm. anyone to really register. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I one of my um, best friends, he's a soundie, mm. and obviously my partner Emily mm. was a soundie as well. Mm. So I learned off them, mm. and I think that's been sort of like my dad's a photographer, so I learned a lot of how things yeah. rolled. Mm. But like with you, mm. interest slash trial and error slash yeah. just communication with people because yeah. there's so many things. I think editing, though, I will say this, is the hardest job for anyone. It is. People don't realize how hard it is, though. Yeah. yeah. And people don't give editors trust at all. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's, it's always been like that. It's yeah. like, look, editing, we're trying the best to make it look as good as possible and yeah. make it flow as good as possible. So... If you're an editor out there and if you're a director who wants to work with an editor, trust your editor. Yeah. You know, you can trust your editor with your life. Like, well, not your life, but, you know, with the life of your film or whatever. Yeah. Like, if there's no trust, it's not going to turn out the way you want it to. No. And with a lot of the directors I've worked with, I've actually had trust from them, luckily. Yeah. Um, except this one thing that I worked on a couple of months back. Um, because the director really wanted to cut with me. I'm like, oh, that's... Ah. That's that's just that's not a sign of trust. Yeah. Like you need to trust me if you want an edit and then you want to discuss it, I'm open to that. Yeah. But you have to let me edit it first. Not yeah. you can't sit with me and then control every because if you sit with someone while they're editing, it's so boring. It's so fuck all boring. I'm just like you like it's just even I'll feel conscious. I'm like, okay, am I doing something wrong? I know what I'm doing, but am I doing something wrong? Yeah, I know. It's 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 always such a shit show. I'm like, you don't want to do this. It's the worst. I think it's also kind of like, um, you know, I, I've always edited my own stuff. Mm. Um, but that's because, like, editing was one of my first knowledges. So yeah. it's just so easy because I'm like, okay, well, these are the shots I want. This is how it's going to flow. And I think I now send DOPs, like, what I kind of think of as a storyboard. Like, mm-hmm. I'll take f- film references and then yep. just chuck those angles into yep. it. And then we go, oh, okay, cool. Mm. Um, that's what you want. And I feel like you know a dop or any kind of like you go in with an idea you go in with an idea you go in with a plan and the worst dops are the ones that go in with no plan (laughs) and and make it up as they go along and you know make it up and you honestly Mm. making it up on the day is fine as well for some some situations yep because there are some shots that you just go, I really don't know how this is going to play out until I see the yep. the run exactly. of the scene. Yeah. And then I'll actually think, okay, we don't need that many angles. Cool. Yep. We can actually cover a lot of this in less angles yep. than you think. Yep. Um, that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, no, nah, cut about four shots. Yeah. You're going to save yourself time. <laughs> um, be yeah, a lot of a lot of inexperienced people think that the more shots you have the mm. better the film will be not really no no it doesn't work like that no um 
also the more coverage here doesn't mean that it's going to be any different no there's like a lot of directors i've seen they just want coverage i'm like but like you know like there's specific things that we can do for the scene but at the same time they just they just want coverage yeah um the directors have always worked for they've always like yeah we want coverage but at the same time we want the stuff to matter too you know we yeah. want the camera to kind of represent what is happening in the story yeah so i've been able i've been lucky enough to have enough room to play with stuff you know with handheld and with a gimbal or yeah, yeah, with, yeah. A, with a dolly uh, not a fan of you know uh, cranes and stuff because it's a hassle to set up and also it's too much stuff to carry around <laughs> i just i just cannot deal with that yeah uh, i'm a big advocate for handheld shots like i'll i'll die for a good handheld shot and oh in the film that i'm shooting mid april there's this one uh, there's this three page long dialogue scene that's completely handheld and it's like a uh, one mm. shot wow yeah, i love I'm, that i'm very excited for that <laughs> i mean i mean it also just goes to show um you know diversity and just and just challenge exactly yeah. um you know it, that was something that i think also like you know directors like alfred hitchcock and Edgar Wright taught me mm-hmm. where they did do a lot of those single yeah. handheld mm-hmm. um things and it doesn't show student based things at all it actually shows so much more yep. and i think a lot of people just underestimate yeah what you can do yeah because they're afraid of it being handheld cuz it looks shit and it's like it doesn't it's as long as you have what you want in frame mm. and you know what frame you'll kind of want yeah the rest is just magic it's like a completely different world but i also think that it's just down to as we say trust exactly trust, trust your crew trust everyone yep um and if you're doing film do single setup like do single cameras yeah sorry but don't ever do multi-cam no multi-cam is not multi-cam is just not the right way to go no uh, like you the thing is you need you need quality control yeah single camera that's it yeah you need the best quality there's no point in having two cameras running at the same time because it's not going to make sense no and at the same time you're going to end up with all this footage for for what yeah um and it's it's only going to bring up more complications because you need a light for two cameras now it's yeah. just going to add up to the cost and add up to the time yeah. so it does not make sense and secondly i would say um oh god i forgot what was i going to say No I forgot. <laughs> you forgot? Oh, I forget stuff now. I'm like suddenly I'm like, oh, what was that point I was able to say? Um, is oh. it about two cameras? What was it about? No, it wasn't about two cameras. It was about um I can't remember. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. I felt like you were on like a spiel of just being like, and here's some more two cent wisdom that I can just <laughs> sprinkle the magic in. Oh, got it. Yeah. and uh, with a lot of new filmmakers and also you know film students and everything yeah they all have this thing with shaky footage yes <laughs> my god don't they just everybody wants smooth as footage mm. i'm like look you wanna if you're doing a gimbal thing in a movie in a yeah. film it needs to be motivated by the story or the camera should motivate yeah. something that's what i've always believed in and that's what everything's been done on you know mm. if you if you closely observe all the works in all the movies like the camera has some kind of role in like to affect the mood in the scene and i've favored handheld for so long and when people actually say but won't it be shaky i'm like shaky what <laughs> the point of the scene being like a bit high intensity is that it can go handheld 
and my handle is very stable yeah and it's very kind of odd when people say but it's shaky like and they don't understand the mode it is for yeah. and a lot of new dops don't understand that you need to match your camera movement to the mood of the scene yeah imagine like having gimbal shot for an argument scene like for me i'm just like it does not it it's not the rhythm of the scene like anyway no, even I... when you cut it it's just going to be it doesn't have that energy or it's not yeah. reflecting off of anything so you know for the calm scenes it's a tripod for like a for like a bit of an intense scene for an argument for like a bit of uneasiness it's always handheld because yeah. it just adds to the mood the point of cinematography is to elevate the mood of what is already on screen you know otherwise like it's the the point is not to get smooth footage screw smooth footage like yeah. i own a gimbal but i rarely use it now yeah i do not give a shit about gimbals no i 100% agree with you it's also like i just think that's such an editing perspective as well because you just you move with how the scene feels exactly and then if you have all these stationary shots yeah they just don't feel right like exactly. it's it's really a, a cat and mouse game yeah um but i also think that you know it's just yeah there's there's kind of people who know that and there's people who don't and they just you know it's all about filmmaking is just it's such a weird art form it is and there's so much you can do there's so much you can't do there is yeah. um there's so many permutations and combinations yeah you know so and anything is possible like if you have the will to do something you can do it yeah that's what i believed in a lot of people don't really believe that you know if you have a will there is always a way you know you want to do a um what do you mean yeah, you want to do like a high angle shot but you don't have yeah. a long tripod use a ladder a oh, god yeah <laughs> what's a what's that tall thing in the corner with steps on it do you want to go and use that no that's too scary all right we're going we're going to stay down here then but um, um just a disclaimer some of those ways might be a bit whs violations but, um uh, it's a, you know if you if you're in india we don't give a shit about <laughs> i don't know if you've just disowned like india's like film production value really. look we love what we do even in one of the films that we shot it was just a small thing we yeah. didn't release it i was sitting in the back of a car uh, with the hood with the boot <sighs> open i was sitting there with a the camera in my hand this one of my friends holding me from the back seat and the car was driving at around 40 kilometers an hour wow. uh, and there was this bike that was coming behind that I was filming it was fun a lot of fun can i just say you're that is my favorite story out of that is amazing <laughs> just, oh my god <laughs> It was fun. My feet was kind of dangling close to the road, but I was like, you know what? I like the adrenaline that this scene gives. Yeah. I get, I get. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're and nuts. I've, I've done that and then I've sat um um 180 degrees around in a motorcycle on the back seat and then filmed another motorcycle that's coming back on the side. I'm just like trying to move to the left, move to the right. All the while the motorcycle that I'm riding on is actually going left and right. I'm like, "Oh, this is very disorienting. Yeah. I have to do it." <laughs> oh my god, you're dedicated. That is like anyone listening to this WHS, please. God. Yeah, do not try this at home. Please yeah. do not try this at home. Then this, Aravand is not suggesting you do this exactly. at home. <laughs> He's just saying this is his own experience. Exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> ask you to recreate this on any level. Please don't. Yeah, please don't write into this. <laughs> um, Aravind, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people 
find you on the socials? Where can they go and stalk you? So if you want to stalk me, you can find me at the Light Parrot on Instagram. Um, my website is the same, thelightparrot.com. Yeah. And you can find me, find my email and my phone number on my Instagram itself. I'm always a, always reachable by all of those means. Um, what else can you can find me on Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter much. <laughs> don't really have the time for that one too. No, you. <laughs> uh, then I'm on Facebook too. Um, Arvind Chanavas, it's right there, and the page is also right there. Can I just say this has been the most awesome chat. It's really lovely having <laughs> you on. I've, I loved every every second of it no i'm glad to be here it's my first time on a podcast well i'm hopefully it won't ever be your last and i hope you come on again because it has been (laughs) absolutely been a blast um but no thank you Aravand. thank you so much and um if you do want to go and check out more of his stuff please do go and follow him on instagram and everything um you can check out me chatting with another guest next week and i'll speak to you all later goodbye bye-bye